0: Hey everybody, and welcome to the first United Spinal Roundtable discussion. Uh, Today we've gathered a great group of wheelers to talk about one of the biggest issues all of us as wheelchair users face, air travel. Between broken wheelchairs, awkward aisle chairs, uncomfortable plane flights, poorly trained airport staff, there's a ton of reasons why flying as a wheelchair user can be an overwhelming prospect. But it doesn't have to be. With the right preparation, an informed approach, and a little savvy, you can relieve yourself of a lot of distress and make your next trip seem a lot more doable. My name's Ian Ruder. I'm an editor for New Mobility Magazine and a United Spinal employee and a frequent flyer. And I want to introduce you to the other people we're gonna have on this discussion today. I'm joined by Nick Labasi, United Spinal's Vice President for Partnership Expansion. Say hi, Nick. Hey, guys. Bill Fertig, the Director of United Spinal's Resource Center. Say hi, Bill. Hey, everybody. Daniela Castagnino uh, an information specialist in the Resource Center hello and Jose Hernandez a program specialist in the Resource Center Hi, San Jose. Hi. there you go uh, Jose has been I'm gonna start with Jose because I think it's an interesting place to start for the discussion uh, he's been a quad for almost 20 years and he is just getting ready to embark on his first flight uh, so I thought our goal today would be to answer any questions he might have uh, and you uh, hopefully some of the same questions you might have if you're out there listening or watching and Kind of walk through the whole process of flying from booking your trip To getting to the airport to being on the plane and getting your chair, hopefully and your luggage afterwards uh, Between Nick bill daniela and myself. We've been through it all uh, the good the bad and probably some of the weird uh, And hopefully with our experiences we can help Jose you guys watching uh, and make you feel a little more comfortable about flying so uh, to start things off, Jose, why don't you tell us a little bit about what comes to mind when you think about planning your first trip. Uh, are you nervous? What concerns do you have? Uh, what are some of the questions you might have?
1: Oh no, absolutely. You know, With everything that has gone on and some of the trips that uh, we've had some mishaps with um, wheelchairs of some of the consumers that come to roll on Capitol Hill, uh, it's very scary and with a trip coming up, I want to ask questions with everyone here what would be the most important thing I should, I guess, think about when thinking about air travel? I, I can answer that, E. Go for it.
2: So, Jose, I've been traveling for extensively for like 17 years, hundreds of thousands of miles a year. And... The one thing I can tell you is, is the more you travel, the more routine it becomes. So obviously, it's a little bit easier. Don't be afraid to ask questions of others, because you'll get different answers from different people. Some people may do things differently than you would have done it or would would do it. And my for myself and Bill, we may do things different than Ian and Daniela may do. So that's the first thing I would mention. And then the second thing is, is is try to Best you can plan each step in your mind so you don't get there and are just overwhelmed by it all. You know, there's a saying practice makes perfect. So, if you could go through it in your mind, what you're going to do from the time you book your trip, and that would include ensuring that they understand that you're a wheelchair user before you even get to the airport, to getting to the airport and notifying the desk when you get there or ticket counter. And then getting to the gate and letting them know that you obviously need assistance boarding the plane. So be outspoken. Don't be afraid to speak up. Um, be pleasant. You'll get catch more flies with honey than you will with vinegar. So um, those would be a few of the suggestions. Without getting into details and specifics on how to transfer and how to go through security and such a, and and things of that nature.
0: I, def- I definitely want to get back to a lot of the points that Nick raised as we go forward, but. Maybe before we get into the details of uh, booking and everything, uh, Daniela, what what went through your mind the first time you were traveling? Do you remember some of the fears and things you dealt with?
3: Um, Yes, I was definitely afraid. I was nervous about the transfers in and out of the seats. I was uh, nervous about the aisle chair that I wouldn't, you know, falling out of the aisle chair. I was nervous that my chair, my, my chair wouldn't arrive in one piece, so there was a lot of nerves going on. Um, but I agree with Nick. The more I travel, the more you get into a routine and then the more that you start to have like a regular checklist of things that you can tick off and then uh, the, the chances of something going wrong decreases.
2: Ian, you know, I just want to just follow up to one thing that Daniela said, and she mentioned being nervous the first time you fly. I said, I've been flying for 17 years. There's not a time that I'm at the the gate and I'm not nervous because there's a lot of stress with how you're going to board and are the aisle chair going to get there in time or, you know, is your wheelchair going to be there when you land? So there's always a lot of stress. I think it's important to know that if you let fear overcome you, um, the likelihood of you traveling and, and, you know, enjoying yourself will be greatly reduced so yes there is stress involved with it but just try to absorb it and um, just roll with it.
0: So let's let's get right to that and how we can relieve that stress. Bill what are are some of the first things you do when you're planning a trip and actually buying tickets to help make to help ensure that you know you're gonna get the the service and what you need?
4: Sure sure and if I could just circle back to add to it Nick um, had to say, and Daniela, um, the the biggest stressor for me um, to be flying, traveling by air, is um, is time. I find that um, if I just relax and get to each uh, step of the process early, I am much less stressed. It's it's trying to get things done at the last second and expect that they're all going to be done right and and, and are you to be able to to uh, accomplish things the way you want to accomplish them at the last second when things might look like they're going bad. So uh, I, I take the amount of time that uh, it ought to take me to the airport and add an hour um, and especially if it's a new airport and I'm on the road on the way back I'll just plane add an hour so I don't have to be in a, in a rush if uh, traffic's bad and and I get to the airport 15, 20 minutes later than I thought I would. And uh, same thing with uh, getting to the gate. My first goal when I get to the airport is uh, do everything that has to be done so that I have a leisurely uh, roll over to the gate. And uh, I typically, uh, um, unless it's the middle of a connecting flight, I typically get to the gate before the gate agents even get there. So I'm, I'm cool. Uh, don't have to worry about anything. I see the gate sh- agent show up. I'm the first one at the desk. Hey, as a reminder, I'm going to need that aisle chair. By the way, um, I'm going to go hit the, the restroom before boarding. So, I'll, what time do you want me back here? And they get a, to put eyes on me, and they know to recognize me, and I'm the person they're looking for on the itinerary. And it just reduces, you know, their workload and and your stress level. So, getting there early, doing all the stages early, is uh, is is a uh, stress reliever for me.
1: So. I have a question. Is it the same policy as like uh, when you board the bus, your first one on, last one off?
2: Yeah. Yep. They're they're to accommodate you. You could request to get boarded last or or first. In my opinion, it's much easier to get put on first. If you get put on last, they're bringing you down the aisle, you're cramped like this, there's people sitting, their elbows are hitting you, there may not be room right above your head for your, your equipment. Or leg rest if you take them with you or you know if you have an extra bag for medical supplies so I would stress to board first and generally they yeah, no. know that I always make it a point when I'm at the gate to let them know I need a straight back aisle chair and assistance and I would like to board the plane first is that okay and then let them say yes so it's locked in and then I do the same thing as Bill I'd like to go to the restroom right before we board can you give me an approximate time that you'll be boarding me
4: no were yeah. I something. I did. I, I had a, something that was actually a little more directly answering your 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 actual question uh, about you know preparing. When when I'm when I'm seeking to buy tickets, I uh, there's usually a lot of different flight times available, and one of the most important things for me is ensuring that there's plenty of time uh, built into the uh, flight schedule. Uh, if it's a connecting flight 40 minute connecting time in an airport that you're not familiar with that's going to be a stressor when you you're getting off the first plane last and expecting to get on the the second plane first it it sometimes doesn't work and then then you have then you have confusion when you get to the gate late so uh, if i can if I can get a flight that has an hour and a half layover I'd rather the trip take longer and have a little bit better of a chance of actually getting off the first plane last on the second plane first without a lot of confusion so uh, buying tickets that's what I look for as a, a generous uh, layover time.
0: and just to follow up on what um, what Nick was saying Jose um, as a quadriplegic it's a little different I think if you have a power chair uh, than if you have a manual chair when you're communicating with the gate agents uh, because you're going to go down the jet way uh, if you go down first and you're going to have your big chair there, and uh, the aisle chair transfer is a little more complicated. You're probably going to need more assistance. So you want to make sure that you're explicit about what you need as far as getting into and out of the aisle chair, how you want to be transferred if you're not able to transfer yourself, um, because that's I think one of the areas where people run into a lot of problems. Personally, I travel with an attendant um, who the two of us are pretty well versed in it, and we're able to direct exactly what we want the assistance to be I make sure there's at least one person there to help Uh, and if I don't think that they're capable I tell them that I don't think they're capable and I ask for someone else Um, so always put yourself first and uh, never let them make you feel rushed if it's their problem if your things are late um, tell them hey you know my health is more important than whether this flights on time Uh, and that's on that's on them so just put yourself first anything else to add there Daniela
3: um yeah I would agree with everything that you guys have said and i and uh and I would reiterate uh what you said ian that don't don't be afraid to stick up for yourself and to um i i've i'm pretty insistent that when I arrive someplace i don't want to transfer into the aisle chair until my chair has arrived at the jetway um and i've had to sometimes the uh, fight some of, some of the ground crew about it, but I just try to be pleasant and I say, no, that, tra- that chair is very uncomfortable and I can't transfer until my chair is here. Um, and there's really nothing that they can do. So uh, yeah, you really just have to advocate for yourself as we all do in you know every aspect of our lives, but in, in this case, it's, it's extra important.
2: And and Ian, you touched on you know making sure you speak up for yourself as did Daniela, and let them know exactly what you need. One of the things that I always try to do is is I try to make it known any touch point that I have. So when I book it online in my profile, there's a spot that automatically selects um, wheelchair cannot walk, so it knows when I'm booking the flight that it's in my SSR, which is a service record that's connected to the to the ticket, and it's the same with each airline but I also do that for airlines that I might not have frequent flyer plans with so I'll go in when I make the reservation and indicate that in the record so it comes up in the SSR and then I also when I get to the airport with technology the way it is nine out of ten times you have the boarding pass on your phone so you could really literally go right through security to the gate I choose not to do that I choose to go to the ticketing agent and let them know that I need a wheelchair, and, and I, so that's another point before I even get to the gate. And then like Bill says, I, I don't think I've ever gotten to the gate when the agent's there already, uh, other than connecting flights, but I'm always there well, well ahead of time. And when they first come up, I give them a few minutes to get the screen logged on and, and into their system, and then I let them know again exactly what I need. So it's trying to minimize and I do that throughout the flight by the way I mean I'm I'm not sure how far we'll get on this discussion in regards to boarding the aircraft but I do the same thing um, when I'm getting brought onto the plane I ask the flight attendant can you please make sure that my chair makes it aboard. So at least when we land I have someone that's on the plane with me that's accountable for it.
0: And one one last thing on this before we move on. Uh, I know that I think most of us here uh, when we fly have a note that we leave. For the uh, gate attendants and the luggage people, as far as handling our chairs, because um, as we all know, that's one of the most important pieces of luggage we're probably going to have. And uh, giving them instructions for how to maneuver it uh, is really important. I think, Nick, you have one you,
2: that you've used. You see that, Jose?
1: Yep.
2: us a little bit about that. Our, we used to have this on our website. I'm not sure if it's still there, but I know we're going to try to attach a PDF or a file for this, right, Lindsay? I think right that's in. the plan, yeah. Yeah. Um I have I have one just
0: like that that actually has pictures of where the disengage and engage my uh power chair because I've had people not figure been able to figure that out and they'll push it when it's in gear. And um uh, Daniela's got one down there she's she's showing too.
2: Um, so whatever you think they need to know. And then Ian, just so you could see on mine, I have it in a cup I have it in Spanish as well.
4: Great I had it sign
2: on for years, and a pilot said that I may want to uh, have it in dual languages. So I've done that for the past number of years. Any questions around that, Jose? Jose.
1: No, I was actually going to ask. Uh, you know, what preventative measures do you guys take uh, once you're separated from your chairs? You know, and you're <laughs> the plane and your chairs going into the belly of the plane. So,
2: well, the first thing to know is, is you have to assume that they're going to treat your chair like luggage. So, don't assume that it's going to get kid gloves. You would like to think that that's the case. So, anything you can do prior to flying out or getting to the airport, I use um, impact guards. They're like, um, if you remember as a child when you had a bicycle and you put a, a padding over the handlebars so you wouldn't hit your teeth or mouth, I have them on all of the exposed metal on my chair. So, when I fly out, it reduces the chance of it getting scratched. So, that's a cosmetic thing. Some of the things that I do is on the sign that I just showed, I let them know that I don't have wheel locks because I have a pretty complicated disc system. So if they try to engage it and then the next guy on the other end of the flight can't find it, they're jerking it and it could break the snap, the, snap the hub or the rim. So um, again, your chair is more complicated than mine. I know a lot of people I've traveled with with power chairs take their armrests um, I'm sorry take their uh, leg rest with them and then have some type of um, boxing or foam that they wrap around the user control panel. Yeah
0: and just add on to that with my chair I take all the moving parts off the power chair the leg rest, the arm rest, my controller uh, and I put those in a bag that I take on the plane with me uh, just to minimize the number of things that could possibly get broken one of the things that happens a lot with wheelchairs is they get placed on their side whether you tell them to or not um, and in my experience that can cause problems so just uh, don't think that your wheelchair is going to be treated with kid gloves because it probably won't uh, any other stuff on that or should we move Bill? One,
4: I just have one other uh, point, uh, sorry Danielle uh, talking over you there, I just one other point um, from from a discussion a little bit ago um, about um, pointers for um, For uh, advising the uh, being firm with, as uh, Daniela pointed out, well, uh, with the uh, airline staff about what your particular needs are, it's pretty universal that no one really knows which of the armrests on the aircraft seats have are movable. Obviously, the bulkhead ones are not movable. I will not sit in a bulkhead seat or have people transfer me over top of a bulkhead seat for fear of uh, getting a skin injury, and um, and just be firm and, and advocate for yourself that no, we are not going to sit in a seat that uh, we're where at to be lifted up and over a um, an immovable armrest when just moving back a seat or forward a seat uh, row to one that is movable is a lot safer for you. And then, um, you know, try to uh, uh, you were talking talking about the uh, chairs themselves a moment ago. Um, I always sit on my cushion, so number one, I have it with me because I take it off. Nick had uh, uh, given us all good advice about having that sign affixed to your chair, and I think, Nick, you do the same thing as you guided us to do and I do now, is I have that warning sign taped to the uh, top of my uh, wheelchair sling so that once the seat's removed, the warning... Uh, sign is uh, visible. So I take my seat cushion with me, sit on it, on the aircraft seat, and uh, that way it can't get uh, damaged or lost in the process.
0: Daniela, do you prefer the bulkhead or do you prefer seats with uh, the movable armrests?
3: Um, I um, It depends which company I'm flying. If I fly Southwest because they don't have any sort of first class I thanks to Bill I also have figured out that I can take the very first seat transferring directly from my chair so that's my first choice but if I'm using the aisle chair anyway um, I usually uh, prefer to be further to the front and um, and since I need to get lifted into my seat anyway um, it's I, I would prefer and one where the armrest comes down. But if I, uh, a bulkhead is available, I will take that just for the extra space. Especially because if people if we do have someone in our row, if I have someone else in my row, that makes it easier for them to step around me if they need to use the restroom. Right. So it's in, I think different, you know, with everybody's different uh, needs. You know, different they have different. Um, Preferences as well as what's, you know, what's more important to for each individual person.
0: Does that make sense, Jose? Are you familiar with the bulkhead? I am not. So on Southwest and a lot of other airlines, um, there's a divider between classes, um, and Southwest is usually right at the front since they don't have first class. And that that row of seats um, behind the divider has extra space. Usually, there's not people sitting right in front of you. Um and if you're on Southwest it doesn't cost anymore to sit there you get extra space for you know if moving around like Daniela said if someone needs to get in front of you it's just an option but like Nick's uh, Nick and Bill were saying uh, it might not be the best for some who are transferring because usually the armrests don't go up there so it makes for a really difficult transfer if you're not lifting into it uh, but just something to be aware of when you're booking your seats um, So let's move on you guys to being on the plane and how what we do on the plane and Some tips and advice for that. Uh,
3: Yeah, one more thing. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, You know, some of you were talking about some of the airlines. Like for example, I know United has a United Plus aisles that have extra space, and they will generally move. uh, At least I've had the experience with United that they'll move people who have needs up into those uh, into those aisles for no charge. Uh, no extra charge, so that's another good thing to. And that's usually like their first three or four aisles that have a little extra space.
0: Um, so yeah. So with that, let's move to actually being on the plane. Is there a uh, a piece or something that you guys pack with you or have found to be incredibly val- extra valuable for when you fly? Uh, something that helps you make the flight easier. Maybe Nick, starting with you
2: yeah what I do is, is I use a a briefcase that sits on my lap so when I get to the airport I take everything that's important to me whether it's catheters any other medical supplies that'll fit in there um, and I always try to have at least enough supplies in there to last me a day or two should my luggage get lost but I have my computer my phone my passport anything that's really in my wallet everything is in that one place so I don't have to worry about that I take my wallet out of my pouch in the wheelchair when I get there so, by the time I get to the airport, I have the bag sitting on my lap. I go through security, and everything I need is in that bag once i once I'm parted from my wheelchair i'm pretty pretty other than not being able to get around. I have the medical stuff that I need to to get by for at least a day
4: Ian, I would like to uh, uh explain the version I have i do the exact same thing that Nick is talking about, and it's worked very, very well for me as well um The version that I use, and i'm I'm a manual wheelchair user is I use a regular um, leather fanny pack as a chair bag, Uh, it straps to the um, outer area on one side of my chair down tucked underneath the locking mechanism, it's not in the way but because of the the multi uh, pockets in there, I have my phone, wallet, catheters, anything of value, my keys, everything of value that I don't want to lose is in that one bag. And like Nick says, in case your luggage is late getting there, you have your extra catheters. I have everything I need in that bag. So going through security, at the, at the uh, earlier on in the airport, of course, I have to take that bag off. I send the entire bag, fanny pack, through the uh, scanner after taking it off my chair. When it comes out the other end, I expand the strap that's on the fanny pack and I wear it. And now I've got it with me, and it can't get lost. It can't get uh, lost in luggage anywhere. And I wear it all the way through onto the airplane, back off the airplane, onto the onto the wheelchair, and out out the door of the of the arriving airport. So everything I need, all my valuables and my my uh, backup catheter supplies are all on that bag, and uh, lives on my chair until I'm flying. And then I then I wear it until I get to my destination.
0: Two, I think two of the biggest issues we all have to deal with are uh, bladder and pressure sores. Uh, maybe Daniela, how do you deal with those when you're, you know you're going to be on a long plane flight?
3: Um, it's sort of, uh, I think it was uh, Nick had mentioned maybe having a taking a blanket with you if, for privacy in case you do need to calf. Um, which I, is a great idea also for any quadriplegics that tend to get cold because flight, up, you know, up in, the, up in flights, usually they get cold at some point. And or you can also use it uh, if you need for positioning in your seat, you know, roll it up for, to, if you need for, for balance and stuff. So um, like a small blanket is a, is a really great thing to have.
0: What about you guys? What do you do as far as managing your skin and uh, you know, making sure you are able to do what you need to do while you're on the flight?
2: I um I, I sit on my cushion. Sometimes if it's a shorter flight, I won't do that, but I always have it with me. Um, but generally, I'll sit on my cushion, and then I'm able to perform weight shifts. So I try to do that in my seat on a on a regular basis. And if there's not, um, uh, if there's no one sitting next to me. You know, if the seat's open next to you, I always choose a window seat. So once I'm in the sh- once I'm in my seat, I don't have to be disturbed or explain to people when they're trying to get up to go to the restroom that I can't stand and um, you know I have a spinal cord injury and go through the whole rigmarole. So if there's no one next to me, I'm able to lean to the side and do my shifts that way. So it really just depends. Um, I-, I think it's important question. You don't want to um, disregard weight shifts just because you're on an airplane. Right. So figure out how to do it if you, have an, if you have an assistant with you or something you know however you need to do it you, gotta, you need to still do it
0: and Jose one thing I, I have a super pubic catheter so I have a leg bag uh, which makes it a little bit easier uh, but just I think everyone's saying in case you didn't know on a plane you're not gonna probably have access to, unless you're flying internationally to a bathroom um, and with my even with my leg bag I always take into consideration uh, where my attendant will be sitting And if I can, I like to get them to sit on the side of my leg bag uh, just because it makes it easier to empty it if I need to do that as opposed to them having to get out in the aisle and do that. So um, just want to be aware of that and uh, try and make it as easy for yourself as possible. Um, Any other tips or tricks, you guys, or questions, Jose, about what to do while on the flight?
3: Um, Well, I was going to say, Nick mentioned that he likes to sit uh, on the window seat, which would be nice but for me I you know that's really not convenient I need to be able to sit in an aisle seat just because for ease of transferring so again you have to figure out what uh, what works for you and if you um, you know if you're someone that has a like a, a major lean to one side or the other you may also want to consider which side of the aircraft um, you sit
0: on with because of that. Yeah, I think that's those are all really good pieces of advice. Uh, I know we're running a little long, and I want to get to one last area before we finish up. Uh, and we talked before about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the bad, I think, for most of us is having to deal with a chair that's been damaged or some of your property that's been damaged while you've been flying. And I, I want to cover that to try and uh, allay any of your concerns. Have you heard horror stories about that, Jose?
1: Absolutely. Uh, just recently we had someone arrive home from Washington D.C. and their f- chair was folded backwards. So, you know, the, it's the situation like that that scares me.
0: I know you guys have probably had some of these incidents. Bill, have you ever had problems with your chair after a trip?
4: You know, I thought that I would escape that uh, having a less sophisticated manual chair that I wouldn't get there. It's titanium and I figured well it can take a pretty pretty good beating and I flew many many times with nary a scratch until the last trip where it appears as though um, the baggage handlers managed to drop it from the uh, luggage elevator about 10 feet onto one wheel which is now then bent including the axle and axle tube. So uh, fortunately when I got back off the plane and found that it had been uh, brutalized, it was still uh, functional, but um, the, I think one of the key points, so uh, you're sort of laying the groundwork for Ian is that, you know, if you find it damaged, immediately go to the, uh, the office of uh, uh, lost baggage, or uh, however that particular airline names, the office for reporting wheelchair damage. Um, for the uh, company that I was flying with, it was uh, both uh, lost baggage claim as well as uh, complaint department, and uh, let them know uh, the full extent of your damage right there, right then. They'll give you an account number, and they have a a contracted company that will help make you whole again and get your chair repaired, which then I had to have my chair repaired. Fortunately, I was uh, on an outbound flight when it was damaged, and it remained serviceable through the trip, so I got it repaired when I got back. And I wasn't uh, stranded, but I know some folks have uh, gotten stranded. Uh, Danielle, I believe you relate to me a scenario where you got stranded, and then how they, uh, how you uh, guided them to uh, to get you what you needed in the interim.
3: Well, yes, my uh, chair was severely damaged on my flight out to a trip in Argentina, and I so I really had to. Um, I had to you know really demand that they do everything in their that United do everything in their power move heaven and earth to get the chair repaired which um, in this case included flying my chair back to United States having getting it fixed and then flying it back down to me Um, so you just really have to um, I suggest uh, that you if you have any damage that you doc- document everything um, keep and if it's especially if it's uh, if it's major damage um, keep uh, notes of who you who you're speaking with like write down their name and their numbers and um, their title and and log every time you know every time that you call in to check about this or that you know keep a log so that because I've also have heard stories of people who have had a really hard time getting um, the airline to, to completely take care of their chair and that really I mean it's bad enough that they that they broke the chair in the first place dragging their feet on getting it fixed is really unacceptable
0: yeah Nick any have you had any experience with chair problems like that or
2: uh, yes, but it's something I don't really like to talk about because I think I'm going to jinx it. But <laughs> no, I, I have obviously traveling that one. Oh, well. You do, you do get um, you do have issues. I, I and I would just um, reiterate what Daniela said. Make sure you get names of everyone, contact phone numbers, email addresses, so you could have multiple people to um, to hold accountable and to vent and try to get to resolution. Yeah, the airlines yeah,
4: have- one I found one uh, trick. Um, being as little was my first experience in having a chair da- damaged, uh, I, I because it was still serviceable, I opted to use my regular wheelchair vendor to do the repair back home. And um, if I had to do it over again, I would exactly not do the opposite. The um, the, the subcontracted company that the airlines use, uh, Nick is familiar with them to uh, to um, oversee the repairs of your chair. They simply asked me what my choice was to have them administrate the repair of the chair or I had the option of using my own regular vendor back home. And I thought it would be fine to just use my regular vendor back home because the chair was still serviceable. But it took forever like is often the case to get um, wheelchair repairs done by the regular process so to do it again I would use the subcontracted company that the airline uses because I think it's gonna be a lot quicker
0: I was gonna say Jose uh, the airlines have to have a complaint resolution officer um, at every airport who is there to hear your problems if you should you have any god forbid um, and make sure that you demand to talk to them if anyone's giving you any problem uh, I've had two chairs broken um, which out of a you know, hundred or whatever flights isn't that bad but uh, it's really it's really frustrating when it happens and uh, having someone there who you know is going to be responsible and is has to take down all the information is really important so uh, again just speak up and make sure you talk to the right people and uh, hopefully you won't ever have to deal with it but if you do now you know what to do uh, guys, I think that's all the questions uh, I had for today. If there's anything else you wanna add or any questions, Jose, that came up during that, that you you gonna throw out before we finish up, uh, otherwise?
1: No, absolutely. You guys have given me a lot of information and then, you know, uh, I think um, I'm pretty good and ready for get on any flight. Good. Excellent. Safe travels. Yeah, thanks guys. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Okay. Thank you. you. See ya. Bye. (sighs) Bye.